Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Gaijin I'm your host with the most, Will Diamond. And I'm your host with the least, evidently, Jake. And I am playing World of Warcraft. I'm Shane Daniels. (laughs) And bringing back our very special guest, almost as special as I am at being a guest referee, we got John Bivens in the house. Thank you, thank you. I am the guest with the uh, mid, m- middle most to bring. There you go. Something. You could be the guest with the best. There you are. I like that. I like that. I mean, you're also our only guest that's come on Gaijin because Shane doesn't count. I do I'm Jack. Oh, because you're just here for the... Because you're an El Phantasma stand. That's the only reason you're here. Yeah, you're just here to watch your boy get bodied in the G1. And that is what we are dedicating this episode to, is the first two rounds of the film refinement. Oh, motherfucker. Your boy's doing terrible this year. You can't win them all. He can't win any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Over there. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not, but a, a two-match losing streak is a really rough way to start things when you've only got five more matches in the tournament to pull things back. If anybody can do it, it can be El Fantasma. You know. Considering the leader of his blocks undefeated. It's going to be a Cinderella story, bro. Remind me who's who's leading his block. I'm I'm still very mixed up on who's in what block other than a block this year. Only the greatest wrestler on the face of the planet, Kazuchika Okada. Oh yeah, he's been trucking motherfuckers this year. He's the new Mister G One. He's oh yeah. He's, he's new Chono. He's bare minimum gonna because they've switched it up this year so now two people make it out of each block yeah and they have four blocks now yeah but whoever has the highest and second highest point total in the block will advance off to playoffs and okada's guaranteed making it to playoffs i don't think he'll win it this year but i also have no fucking clue who would sonata maybe yeah but Why would Sonata win it when he already has the belt? He's never stopped Okada. (laughs) (laughs) You can can do anything you want in New Japan as long as Okada doesn't want to do it first. Yeah. (laughs) But El El Phantasma has been off to a really terrible start losing his first two matches, whereas Okada on the inverse has dominated in both of his matches so far this round. Or this year. But I'm I would have to say the this year A block is shaping up to be the the most intriguing for me. It's got the most young names. Most of the block is in their first ever G one. 
because you've got Kaido Kiyomiya, my baby boy from Noah. He is the epitome of a baby boy, despite already being a three-time world champion. Two or three times. But he's a little baby boy in the baby block. you got Shota Umino, who's coming in. Yoda Suji, who is stupid over. The people love Yoda Suji. Can we, can we not just sit and be excited, though, for a fellow East Tennessee wrestler? Chase Owens is up there. Fuck that. Why is he in the young boy block? Well, I mean, Sonata's in that block, too. Yeah, but Son- the whole point of the A block is here's the next generation of stars. Chase Owens is not the next generation of anything. <laughs> Easy. Oh, hey. Somebody's got to go under. I mean, yeah, but he beat Gabe Kidd in like four minutes. That upsets me because Gabe Kidd is on a roll, not to mention his promo at the press conference was, it was solid, but Okada just laughing at him the whole time. The amount of times I rewound the bit of him throwing the water bottle at the press conference and Okada is going, oh shit, wow. Loved it. That was a great press conference. Kenta went up to everyone individually and called them ugly. <laughs> As why that was the peak of the G1 for Kenta. <laughs> yes. You see, he's not doing so hot. And... He's and... not doing the best, but he's not doing like El Phantasmo. Oh my god. Stop. Like he's he's won because he won round two. Well, okay, so you'll feel better, Shane. So we're not just fucking dunking on one of your boys. What about your boy over there, Will? For Shingo Takage's win. Hey, look, not all the boys can thrive, and he's been putting on some fucking bangers. Him losing to Eddie Kingston, more than okay with that. That was a great fucking match. Really. Yes. Banger of a match. And Shingo losing to Hanare also can accept it because Hanare is... He's got to be the most underrated guy in the entire tournament right now. He Last year, he only got one win, and it was against Tanahashi in the opener, and that was one of the matches of the tournament for me. But you're going to be up there and be okay with them essentially booking Toro Yano and Shingo Takage evenly <laughs> so uh, yes I just wish it was on the opposite end of the scale <laughs> but now because I'm thinking that Yano's gonna get a Taguchi treatment this year and I think he's going to lose all of his matches except for the final round mm. but Shingo is I don't know what his story is right now. I think he is taking a backseat role to be a tool in other people's stories. Because that win for Hanare catapulted him up pretty big. And I don't expect Hanare to get too many more big wins this year. Right. But that performance with Shingo, that's so far my match at the tournament. If you have seen if you haven't seen it, everyone needs to seek out Hanare versus Shingo in round two of this year's G1. 
Yeah, I really liked a lot of uh, Hanari stuff, but I think Shingo is like by far the best opponent uh, for Hanare. Like his stuff is always really good, but it, it it's the best when it's with Shingo. Oh yeah, which. Um, much to my disdain, Yoshihashi isn't doing completely terrible. Uh, I just, I don't, I love your just like unabashed hatred of Yoshihashi. It's so fun to me. Right, fucking nerd, and he won in the first round, and at least he lost to Tanahashi. Thank God. Oh, Papa coming through on that. Which also, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but it's personally bothering me. That Tanahashi, Ishii, and Okada haven't been coming out with their belts. It, oh yeah, that's right. That annoys me. I've just, I've just been so captivated by Tanahashi's like shirtless sleeves. His gear is so fucking slutty. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and he's got the hair done too. Yeah, it really bothered me when he came out. Uh, at Forbidden Door without his belt. And it was just like, oh, he's the six-man champion. Yeah, they all did, and all three of them were on the card. And it's... Like, I get that because Ishii was the only one to win his match, but, I mean, oh, Tanahashi's one and one right now with a win over Yoshihashi and a loss in the opener to Zack Sabre Jr. because Zack will always break his knees. But Okada's 2-0, so why not give him the belt? And, like, I understand maybe not wanting to have Ishii come out in it because he's been 0-2 so far, which breaks my heart. Ishii being relegated to the... He's their new Kojima? That makes me sad. Because then it's also like, oh, fuck, if he's their new Kojima, where's Kojima now? <laughs> he's been doing all Japan shots lately, though, hadn't he? Yeah, he's wrapped up with his run in Noah, and he's been doing a lot of undercard stuff in New Japan, but I want to say he's been popping up in All Japan, too. But I know Yuji Nagata went over there. He just wrapped up a Triple Crown Championship reign. So now, the boy, the only blue life that matters, Yuji Nagata, is now the whatever the cool kid club of Japanese Triple Crown is called. The, the Super Triple Crown? Yeah, I thought there was some weird name for it where it's the GHC, Triple, and IWGP. Yeah, I think it's like the Super Triple Crown or the True Triple Crown or something. Well, Eugene Agata got it. And he just, Pretty. I know he just dropped the belt like a week or two ago to Yuma Ayogi, who's now been fully promoted up to top boy status. Well, good for Eugene. Nice, the man's yeah. getting flowers. Yeah, and he actually had a decent run with it. Like, got a good several championship defenses in. But we're getting sidetracked. Fuck all Japan. Easy. You hush your mouth. But one of the more interesting stories we've been seeing playing out so far in this year's G1 has been Ren Narita going the first two matches going time limit draws. I love this kid, dude. Like, Damn, he's good. He's fucking good. And if anyone is going to get away with consecutive draws, he is the dude that I'm okay with 
doing that because he went to a draw with Shota Umino in what was a beautiful glimpse at like here's what the next 10 years of New Japan is going to look like. Oh yeah, it's like this is your new Okada versus Tanahashi right here. Umino and Narita. And see, and we haven't even gotten to the real Okada and Tanahashi of it yet because round two was Narita fighting their next big star, Yoda Suji. I think Suji's going to end up becoming the wolf of the pack of the, the four new kids on the block. He is so insanely over. He looks like he's already ready to be thrown into the main event scene whereas like Umino and Narita you can still you can tell they're still getting there like Umino especially still has a very long ways to go before he's ready to win any belts Narita is <clears throat> he's ready for the never division but if they want him to have legs further he's still got a little bit to go but Yoda Suji's made he's done take him out of the oven well they're the, they're your next three like because New Japan's always done Three Musketeers booking, and whereas All Japan always did the, the Four Pillars booking. There's your three. They're your new Okada, Tanahashi, and, and uh, Naito. Oh, yeah. They're the big three now, and their their fourth pillar is going to end up being Uemura whenever he's back from his impact excursion. Because mm. Uemura is just as much a baby Tanahashi as Umino. Uemura is baby old Tanahashi, whereas Umino is like current Tanahashi. Okay. But back when Tanahashi was king of the hill, that's Yuya Yamura now. But Ren Narita's going time limit draws, they've been in fucking incredible matches. And it's making everyone's records look weird now. Yeah, because there's like Three guys that are, well, it's all three of them, really, that's got, like, oh, one and two. Yeah, Yoda Suji lost, or he's got the one point now because he went to a draw with Narita. Yeah. Narita now has two points because of back-to-back draws, and he went to the draw with Umino. And so far, it's... I think it's going to be a lot of that shit, whereas playoff-wise, I'm expecting it to be Kiyomiya and Sonata advancing out of this block. Yeah. Which Kiyomiya's already been doing good by himself. He's 2-0, and but he's also had relatively easier challenges at the start. And granted, Sonata has to, starting off the tournament with Hikaleu, especially in your the main event of night one, was something. Yeah, that was fucking weird. That was the weirdest. Especially, a lot of the main events have been very odd choices. Like, it was, I think, night three. It was either night two or three, but the main event was Tama Tonga and Tomohiro Ishii. Which was also... Yeah, which didn't make like any sense at all because there wasn't anything on the line, and I I don't know. It, yeah, it was, that was weird. On especially that one in particular, that one in particular, that was coming off of. So I do remember now that was the second round, and that was both of them coming off of a loss. 
Yeah. Because Tamatonga, I'm trying to remember who beat him in round one. But Ishii got absolutely battered by David Finley, who's also sitting at a 2-0 and right now. And he's been... I think the whole I'm a ruthless killer stuff is starting to click more now. Both of his performances so far in the G1 have been pretty solid. And I'm looking forward to round three with Evil. That ought to be good. Because Bullet Club is definitely ballooned to a become like a weird King Ghidorah type beast where <laughs> you've got three different subsets of it. You've got Bullet Club Gold in AEW. You've got the War Dogs, which seems to be the primary head now with Finley, Kid, Coglin, Maloney, and Connors, and Gato. And then you've got House of Torture, which has very much been an island in and of itself since its inception. And then you've got the few leftover scraps that I guess fall in line with War Dogs, like Taiji Shimori, Chase Owens, Fale, and then Chris Bay and Ace Austin over an Impact. They just kind of fit in. But it's... It's weird, and I honestly kind of want it to just explode and go its separate ways. Like, keep the War Dogs as Bullet Club, kick House of Torture out, and get Bullet Club Gold to change their name. I'm still waiting for Bullet Club Sh Sword and Shield. <laughs> now, I feel like we're going to get, like, Bullet Club Platinum. Bullet Club Sun and Moon. Yeah, there you go. Now they need to go just a slight step further and do the Ultra Sun. Right, right. Omega Ruby and uh, Sapphire. <laughs> Let's go, Bullet Club, go. <laughs> they could, no, they could do Bullet Club Coliseum whenever they finally do like a War Dogs House of Torture 8 man. <laughs> Which also, they honestly just need to do a fucking Bullet Club War Games. Like, throw in the three teams, whittle down, whittle it down to which Junior gets bumped in to be War Dogs team. Unfortunately, it would be Connors, even though I would want it to be Maloney. Which, speaking of War Dogs, how about Alex fucking Coughlin's performance this G1? Yeah, how about that, Matt? Yeah. Uh he uh overhead press Jeff Cobb of all people like he was nothing yeah I mean Cobb posted for him obviously but at the same time I don't care if he posts or not that's still a big ass guy that's like somebody fucking press slamming Shane for fuck's sake yeah and it's there's so much in his like big impact moves where you can tell he doesn't actually need that much help getting you up for stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because I really noticed it in the July 4th Kirk and Hall show when they were doing the first bout with Bishimon. 
the way he would pick up Yoshihashi, especially for power bombs, he didn't. There was no, like, hey, sit up with me. It was just all raw strength. So, but if he, Octavius does anything to anyone, like, you have time to think about it. No, Coglin's a fucking freak. Like, he was made in a lab. Think that about Octavius sometimes. But he, despite not having the record to reflect it, has had a very, like, star-making G1 run so far. I don't expect him or Gabe Kidd to have very good records by the end of this. But I'm hoping that they'll, at, at the very least, Coglin will get to show out. I feel like Gabe Kidd is definitely in here to be a pimp guy. Well, there's... Every year, there's always a handful of dudes that, like, their records are... Not nothing to write home about, but they're having good matches. I mean, last year, Hanare had an incredible run and only got the one win. Yeah. And he was, to me, one of the MVPs of the entire tournament because all of his matches were really good. And I thought the same thing with David Finley, who ended up going very far in it. But I thought David Finley had a star-making performance last year. So it's always the ones you kind of least or medium expect that end up like Hanare's already gonna he's proving that he's gonna have another star making year David Finley's doing good but I don't expect him to be doing anything crazy this year whereas Gabe Kidd with what little he's been given has shown some good stuff Coglin's done really well Taichi has randomly been on fucking beast mode Going two and zero oh so far, trucking the fuck out of Will Osprey in his Good. in his first singles match since beating Omega for the belt, just getting washed in like ten minutes by Tai Chi. Yeah, I almost wish that they would have played into that story a little bit more. Uh, Kevin Kelly did a little bit, but like the whole idea that like Osprey and Omega killed themselves. And so you're going to see Osprey drop a lot of balls to people that you wouldn't expect just because he got so banged up during that match a couple weeks ago that it, like, just changed his career arc for a little bit. Well, it's that, but also, and they even keep bringing it up in other people's matches that don't have Osprey or Tai Chi that early on Tai Chi just fucking decks Osprey in the ear and it's like oh it threw off his equilibrium and he could never recover for the remainder of the match and they keep talking right. about that and I feel like because Osprey ended up getting his win back in round two but I do feel like there's going to be a lot of unconventional Osprey losses so that way they can pepper in some random title defenses for him well I remember they did a thing in progress a few years ago, and I think it was with Osprey, where like he was like feuding for the title, and he had a title match early on where he went to the top rope and like somebody blocked his move or he fell and like hit his head or something. And so for like months, he would win like with moves that weren't off of the top. So that way he worked himself back up to a title match. And that then, was such a good run. Yeah. And then in that match, he went up to the top rope and everybody's like, oh shit, is he going to do it? And he's standing there like, oh fuck, can I do it? Am I going to hurt myself again? 
And uh, so, I, yeah, I think that would be really interesting to see something like that kind of played out again. I think if they're going to do that, they need to milk that from the G1 all the way to Wrestle Kingdom. But Wrestle Kingdom's already, it's been a long time since by at least the time G1 starting, there's not a clear image of what at least like half the card is going to shape up to be. But everything is in such a transition point and in the best way possible that I genuinely have no clue who's winning G1 this year. I have a couple ideas, but not one in particular that I'm like really leaning towards. I don't know. I feel like they want you to think it's going to be Naito. And so I don't know if that's just a red herring, but... I could definitely see Naito. The The only thing that I see is I feel like Naito is going to get one more run with the title. And then Suji is going to be the court jester that cuts his head off at some point and sits on the throne. I am God now. I definitely... the I could see Naito being... G1 winner, give him one last run. He picks the belt off of Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom. Suji turns on him, takes the belt. Because I think Suji's going to end up getting his own faction. Especially... I, I think Suji takes it off him, and that's when they move up Umino. And I think that Suji Tonido is their transition into the new Three Musketeers era. With Wild Horse first title defenses for Hikuleu for everyone. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's just the new Fale for them. And I hate it because there was a brief moment where I was like, nope, the future is bright for Hikuleu, and then he's just been putting all fucking stinkers this whole tournament so far. I thought the bat with Sonata was okay, and then like any goodwill that he gained with me from that match was immediately lost the second that he dumped uh, Gabe Kid on his head from that power slam the, the next night. That shit looked kind of sick. It definitely looks it like it went wrong, but I was like, hell yeah, Anoki is smiling from the heavens at you, Hikaleu. <laughs> Dump that fucking geek on his head. But it's dude, he's just been putting on stinkers. And it's it's weird because I feel like the first half of this year, Hikaleu was actually doing a decent job at building up some kind of personality other than I'm big. And it's all just vanished after he won that match with Jay White. And like even the round one match with Sonata, it was okay, but it felt like Sonata just baby facing off of a wall and doing yeah. all the like, I'm a big time Japanese baby face, here's the key spots off of just a brick wall that's not reacting. And I felt like that was his match with round two, but flipped of Gabe Kid is just trying to be as angry, vicious, 
heel as possible, and Hikaleu is just not having any of it. The the problem for me with Hikaleo is they talk about like how he's one of the young guys like coming up. But the thing is he's been around for a little bit at this point. Like he's he's not in the same like dojo class as like Suji and Narita and all those guys. And it's like he's had time to be a lot better than what he is. And so, like you said, I, I had hopes that he wasn't going to be Fale'd, but at this point, I don't know exactly what else you hope to get out of him because I I just can't see him being anything else other than that at this point in time. Like He hasn't shown any glimpse of like major potential that's untapped. Yeah, and there hasn't been any of those like sparks so far where I'm thinking like, Ooh, this could be a really good potential, like feud later down the road. Once these new kids get peppered up, it just is very obvious that he is going to be their, their bad luck folly, their big show or cane where here is a giant monster to be your first or second title defense. So we can give you some credibility without, like you actually taking out anyone that like truly matters in the main event scene. Yeah. <clears throat> he is a Sakura Genesis main eventer if there ever was one. Not even that, because I don't see him getting the he's a power struggle main event. Oh excuse me. I meant uh the new beginning in Osaka uh main eventer. He's definitely a new beginning main event. Because Sakura Genesis, they'll at least save that for, like, who's going to have a banger New Japan Cup run to feed to Okada? <laughs> it should just re rename that to Okada's Lunch. Dude, it's the worst because every year we all buy into it again and are like, this is going to be Shibata's year. Two times of this is Saber's time. This last yeah. one, especially, I bought so hard. I was like, they wouldn't give him back. They wouldn't give him two New Japan Cup wins if they weren't going to fucking do it. And then they didn't fucking do it. One Rainmaker, too. It was one Rainmaker. Made me so upset. Which also, how about Sabres, G1? He's been having some nifty little fairly quick matches, which leads me to believe he's going to have a crazy back half of the tournament. Yeah, I like the stuff with uh, with Yano. Uh, Saber and Yano are always just a really good match to me. And the way that the fans were like clapping in unison as Zach like inchworm jumps back to the ring, that uh, was incredible. Was very right. Which that Yano match, I think. And granted, it is very early on. That was only round two, but I think that's going to end up being at least my favorite Yano match of the tournament. Yeah, I don't know. He's got, uh, he's got Naito coming up soon. I think they usually have some good stuff, too. But, I mean, the thing about Yano is he has, like, great chemistry with anybody to me. Like, I love the stuff with him and Goto. Him and Saber is always the highlight. Him and Great Ocon and like the duct tape and the ponytail and all that. I, I love it every time. 
I'm I'm looking forward to seeing his antics because he's always like th- just the nice breath of fresh air in every G1 of here's some goofy shit instead of the whole like here's a 15 minute struggle of everyone hitting each other. Yeah, it you like you said it's something different. And it's, I'm hoping because they've lately, New Japan's been so much more open to working with other people. And before they would have no problem sending guys over, but they were very anti bringing anyone in outside of like G1s and mostly best of the super juniors. But I'm really hoping that they keep this relationship going because I want to see Yano get loaned out to DDT for a bit. Oh my God. Yano or Wrestle Peter Pan this weekend uh, would be nice. It'd be good. I mean, they're already sending Desperado over to work your brother, Jake. Oh, Daisuke. That's my guy right there. But speaking of loners, Eddie Kingston going... He's ha- I think he's going to have a very weird tournament that a lot of people are not going to be happy about because... Starting off beating Shingo, all right, great fucking start. And then round two, losing to Evil. Oh, yeah, that was the worst match tournament so far. It was... I didn't hate it as much as everyone else did. I've been seeing a lot of people say that was the worst one of the tournament. It had a lot of neat little moments, like the little kendo stick bits were fun, especially Dick Togo smacked him in the face with the kendo stick and he just lets go of evil and just goes you motherfucker yeah as great as that moment was though there was the double down like two minutes before that where they were laying there where crowds would like normally cheer and clap for both guys to get back to their feet and the crowd was like dead silent and they just laid there and so it's like you keep expecting the crowd to like kick in and they just never do and so that was enough even even with the you motherfucker to still yeah i don't i don't know it's he's having an odd start which speaking of odd starts the I was really surprised at how like strong as fuck they booked him round 1 but Tonga Loa because that was who beat Kenta night one. I hate that. No, it was crazy. <laughs> it was so nuts. He came in like such a big baby face. Like the crowd was kind of eating him up. He overall was doing decent. Like it wasn't bad. It wasn't like the last time he was in the G1 where he was consistently having stinkers the whole tournament like he's had some good matches these first two rounds going one and one so far but yeah no him beating Kenta was certainly a choice but New Japan just don't know what they got with Kenta fucking the Fed didn't either no one understands him but Noah and it upsets me because Shit, give him the G1. Give Kenta the G1. Give him the belt. He's still got plenty of time left in him. He's still 
at an age where you can buy him in the main event and he's not at dad status. But I know they never will. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like I, I'm not as high on Kenta as you guys are. I mean, obviously, I know the history and I've seen as great as he has been. But, like, I don't know if it's just, like, the booking or, like, how much input he has into it. But it just doesn't seem like he wants to be there very much. Like, just his effort and everything, it, just the way his matches have been laid out, I just dread seeing his name, like, anywhere on the show yet. And albeit, I haven't seen the, the Osprey match from today, but I don't know. The the match against Tongaloa, that was uh, that one was rough, too. I, I'm just on a fucking nostalgia thing for Kenta, because I remember fucking, was it 2004? 2005, Kenta, and it's... I want that, but I know I'm not going to get that. <laughs> yeah, right. it's a lot of it is nostalgia, but I do think Kenta can still go. He's just evolved because he's had several significant injuries all in a short time span while he was in NXT. And I understand he can't, he's also not nearly as young as he was during those like Noah glory days. So he can't go quite as hard, but he can still go pretty fucking well in the ring and he's adapted his style to I think his style definitely does reflect a I don't want to be here but that's also very much been his character and I think it surprisingly fits in really well with Bullet Club it's just underutilized like he's had he his post-match interviews will always have at least like one gem of a quote in there like, one of the all-time best from a few months ago was him going, this year I turned 30, or last year I was 37, this year I'm 38. At this rate, by this time next year, I'll be 39. That's exactly how time works, Kenta. <laughs> and it's just like, what a what a treasure. Channel some of the me energy on those promos. I bring up how old I am all the fucking time. But it's the people that have been going 2-0 so far have been some that you'd expect like Sonata and Okada. But then there's people like Tai Chi and Evil that are just like, well, all right. Like Tai Chi going 2-0, I did not see coming from anywhere. I don't know. I'd say Evil's kind of expected, though. He is a former champion, so. Yes and no. Like, I don't expect Evil to do bad in the tournament by any means, but I don't expect him to do super well either. He's going to be a very 50-50 kind of dude. And I definitely think round three, he'll probably end up picking up his first loss off of Finley, because I think Finley's more than likely winning that block, which annoys me only because he is a champion. But you gotta have some budget representation in the playoffs, you know. Oh, and I have no doubt of that because I'm assuming 
Gaijin-wise, Finley's for sure making playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie does, but I think Eddie's losing first playoff match. Yeah. But I think he's making it out, and I think Osprey is going to be right at the edge of making it out of the block, but is going to end up losing that last match and won't advance. But I think Finley and Eddie are guaranteed making it out of their block. Zach, too, more likely. Zach is also definitely... So Zach, I think, is going to overall end up winning his. He's someone I see going to finals, but I don't see him winning this year. So you think they'll do a split, like a four-on-four split? Natives and Gaijin? Maybe. I I think... I don't know if it'll be a full split. I feel like it'll still be majority Japanese wrestlers because they've got a lot of people right now that need to be built off of this G1. Mm. And they're very much peppering in some like light storylines that will end up going towards Wrestle Kingdom, but a lot of them I can't tell if it's going to be for this year's Wrestle Kingdom or if these are storylines we're trying to plant for like multi-year arcs. Like everything in the A block feels like this is going to be the next 10 years worth of storylines all being set up. New Japan's always been the masters of long-term booking. Well, already, even with the Renarita and Yoda Suji draw, that one, they kept talking about how Yoda Suji has never beaten Renarita, even like from their young line days. And I think they are going to absolutely milk that. Because I think that's going to end up being a Wrestle Kingdom main event with Suji finally getting the win over Narita. That was always one of the Was it? With Chono and, and Muto, they always talked about how Muto beat him in their first, their debut match, but then Muto could never beat Chono after that. Yeah, and I mean, even in his retirement, he couldn't beat Chono. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I really like the two draws that they did early on with Narita. Honestly, I was kind of like fantasy booking a scenario where he goes through and he doesn't win or lose it, uh, throughout the entire tournament. He just like has a 20-minute draw like every night. But I think it was good for them to do that with Umino and Suji. I, because I don't think Narita's going to make it out of his block. But he hasn't gotten beat by the other two musketeers, so to speak. So I think they're they're planting the seeds for something like that, that he's always, he, even Kevin Kelly was kind of telling the story about like, hey, when they came back from excursion, all these other guys got opportunity and Narita was straight to the mid card. And now Narita kind of has something to say, well, like, yeah, motherfuckers, you put me in the mid card, but your top guys can't beat me. So I think it kind of positions him a little bit as a career underdog for him to get some big wins in the next few years. Oh, he's very much like he's what if we homebrewed Shibata from day one 
And with that, I think he will eventually get a world title run. I think he'll only get the one, and it'll probably be a short one. But I think he will eventually get that. But he's very much going to be their, like, underdog killer. Whereas Umino seems like he's being groomed to be the next ace. Suji's going to be their next big monster. Like, he's guaranteed going to be at least a four-time never-open-weight champion. <laughs> at least. Yeah, I don't know. Talking about, like, long-term stories and the stuff that New Japan has going, the David Finley and Evil match, I've got that one circled as one to watch coming up because I don't know why I get this feeling, but I really sense that they're about to do something with Tamatanga and Tongaloa. I feel like they're about to go heel again on the last night because you got to have someone join Bullet Club on the last night of G1. It's just law at this point. And I think it seems like they might finally be going towards like the House of Torture versus Bullet Club, like infighting thing. So I could I could see them rejoining uh, with evil and uh, turning on Finlay and them kind of positioning that for a little bit. I think that would... I think it would make for some interesting matches. See, I don't know about them doing that because I think they've they've built up Gorillas of Destiny to be a neat little like mid card faction. I think Chase Owens is unfortunately going to join House of Torture. I do think they're finally going to pop off that feud and actually split off House of Torture at least by the end of G1. I honestly want it to happen by that third match, that round three match. But, I don't know. We'll see. But overall, what's been your, your favorite matches so far for this tournament? Favorite matches? Um, I've seen a little bit of Night 5, uh, and, and ironically, Yoshihashi and Tongaloa uh, was actually really, really good. Um, I haven't been a big fan of Tongaloa stuff, but something about Yoshihashi just got in there and like really made him work for it. Uh, so I enjoyed that. The, uh, the two Narita draws, uh, Okada and Phantasmo was really good. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate Shane left because I I too am a big fan of uh, Phantasmo, and I don't know in in the New Japan hierarchy of things. I keep in mind I know this will not happen, but when I look at Phantasmo, I see sort of an Osprey like type you know prototype, and I think there's a lot of legs of stuff that you could do with him, especially since. He has been healthier the last few years than Osprey, and he can do a lot of the same big spot. So I, I wish that they would kind of uh, position Phantasmo a little bit higher because I, I think he's got some real potential if they just book him in the in the same way that they they book an Osprey. He's got all the potential there. I just don't see New Japan ever. That's why I thought it was such an odd move when they moved him out of the junior division because I, he, he doesn't stand a chance in the heavyweight scene. Whereas the junior division, there was still a lot of like unclaimed mountains for him to conquer. 
there. He's really only conquered the tag division so far, and he was treated like a threat for the main juniors title, but never got that run with it. And even then, when he got with him going for the never belt, he was never treated like a real threat, and he was very much just a transitional piece for getting it to David Finley. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot that they can do with him, but like you said, it's, it's just a matter of if they decide to pull the trigger or not. I mean, they've got so many guys up at the top, and then you look at guys like Tomatonga and Ishii and Evil and all the guys that they protect to some degree, and it's like they're reshuffling up at the top, but they're going to have to start reshuffling at the mid-card, too, because we've seen so many guys kind of stay in that same spot for so long. I don't know. It's, that's one of the things that's really drawn me back in for New Japan. This last calendar year, especially, has been... They've been in a big rebuild mode of the entire card, top to bottom, is getting reshuffled. And outside of like Okada and Naito, and even Naito's not really safe from it, but everyone is getting moved around. And it's it's just crazy that we are in the setup for the end of a massive golden era for New Japan. Where, yeah, really that era ended around the pandemic because they got into a big slump. But they've managed to really rebuild the last year or two. And the future is looking very bright, and especially where a lot of other Japanese companies are trying to restructure but aren't doing the best job. Like Noah, I think, is doing a very poor job of restructuring right now. DDT is trying. I think they've got a solid top of the card right now, but they need to pick up their feet with building up their new kids. Because Neither they, Chris Brooks, which Chris Brooks is more than likely getting his coronation because he won King of DDT. He's main eventing Peter Pan against Yuji Hino, who's had a very underwhelming KOD championship reign in my eyes, which is a shame because I've been clamoring for him to get there since he came back to DDT. And it's He's held it for a while, has only had two defenses, despite still working just about every show. And they've both... The Yukio Naya one was very lackluster, and the Yuki Ino one was... It was good, but mostly because of pheromones shenanigans, and not because of anything Hino was doing. But I think... Chris Brooks will do good, and they're going to christen him, but they don't have their next ace necessarily lined up because Yuki Yuno is starting to drop, surprisingly. It's very weird. And Dragon Gate's done a decent job, but Dragon Gate is still in a weird standing, and All Japan is in a sinking ship spot where everyone wants out. Yeah, but that happens every couple years with All Japan. Like, yeah, it comes up and 
And they did do this last go around at the start of the year when they were gearing up to have a very big exodus. They managed to do good that Jake Lee was the only major casualty on their end. Which, I mean, they could always honestly steal him back because he still isn't actually under a deal with Noah yet. Which is, I'm sorry, but that's fucking nuts to hold a company's top belt and not even be under contract. Well, only Japan could get away with something like that. That's because you don't have the dick measuring contest between promotions over there like you do here. Like, could you imagine if MJF was not under contract? WWE would have thrown so much money to get him to show up and trash their belt. Or by they would have done that in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. Or whereas, whereas Jake Lee has now spent the better half of a year running on top of Noah, has got a new faction of good-looking guys. And it's it's a fucking dope faction. Like they're a silly ass name, but I'm really digging their shit as a unit. Like Jack Morris and Anthony Green are cool. Seeing Anthony Green blow up in Noah is wild. And Jack Morris is their future top gaijin. And then Tadasuke and Yohei are a fun tag team together. I always love Tadasuke. I have a love hate relationship with Yohei. He's like, what if Yoshihashi was good? because he's got he reeks of Yoshihashi boy energy where it's just like you just want to see someone like rub his face in the dirt but at the same time like he has incredible matches so then you're like damn I can't hate him that much but once he's not doing moves and just standing there then you can hate him again yeah I don't know I uh yeah, he's he, he's good. He's good. Noah does have like a lot of good things going on. Like you were saying, Jack Morris. Like I I didn't expect like the career arc that he's had because he has quietly gotten pretty darn good at, as of late. And I I don't know. I guess it's just the reps. I mean, he's on every tour teaming with uh, with Jake Glee. It seems like so. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, there once Jake drops the. GHC belt back to Kaido I guarantee you they're going him and Morris are going straight for the heavyweight tag belts while Anthony Green cries in the locker room <laughs> well they need to they they need to do something with the GHC tag titles so desperately but overall it's been we got extremely sidetracked in the realm of Noah and DDT there at the end but overall, G1 Climax 33, great fucking tournament so far. Everyone keep up. And if you're not going to keep up, then you can ke- keep up with us here because we plan on covering the whole tournament. We'll be back in your feeds soon-ish with our mid-tournament update, and then we'll have our final one after everything is all said and done. But Bivens, we appreciate you coming to our neck of the woods. And Jake, what do they need to do? Bring it on. We don't do that bit on this show because we're Gaijin Agogo. We're the superior side show.
Yeah, all right. Tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I invented that. Okay. Perfect way to end. <laughs>